Hello, I'm Tim Harris. This is Julie Harris, and this is Real Estate Coaching Radio. That's right. So make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Thanks again for popping by. Hit that like button, and don't forget to leave your comments and questions so we can get right back with you. We will. Thank you for continuing to make our podcast, Real Estate Coaching Radio, the number one listened to podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. And let us know what you think about this video. Leave your comments below. Thank you. Three, two, one, and we are back. And today is day four, if you're keeping track. Um, and if you're not listening to the first three podcasts, the series is about real estate lead generation. It's on the mind of everyone. What's going to work now? What's going to work in the future? And what we've done is we've created a list of over 30 items, 30 lead generation ideas. And on day one, we started with the least effective and we're working up to the most effective source of lead, real estate lead generation. Now, what do we focus on specifically? What were our filters? Very simple things. What's going to put money in your pocket the quickest? What's going to cost you the least amount of money? What's going to be the most predictable and duplicatable when it comes to real estate lead generation? So, so far, the feedback on this series, not surprisingly, mm -hmm. has been fantastic. I, uh, we did a survey of all of our new coaching members, of which we have thousands, and the, we asked them what are they hoping to learn from uh, being premier coaching members. And number one was, well, actually, they were tied. Almost exactly the same percent said real estate lead generation mm -hmm. and skills. Yes, which are tightly related, of course. They are. And, but here's the thing. You don't need a lot of skills for cold door knocking no. or, or you know, doing some of the le least effective things. So what we're attracting to us in our premier coaching members are a lot of agents that don't want to trial and error their way to failure. Right. Really, they want to do the right thing now to basically get the most results they can helping people making money in real estate. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason we're making this list. So you guys can frankly decide what you will or won't be putting your efforts towards. Do pay very close attention what you're choosing to spend your time uh, doing and what you're hoping will generate leads for you. Chances are they're the things that are the least effective and most expensive. And that's the reason, in our opinion, a lot of agents fail out of real estate. The failure rate of, of real estate agents uh, in the last 15 years, but really in the last 10 years, in other words, the amount of time that an agent actually stays active in real estate has on the is on the descent. Why? It's on the decline. Why? Because agents are not being told the truth about real estate lead generation, especially as it uh, comes to knowing having skills. And for all of you who have joined Premier Coaching, I salute you and I appreciate the fact that you guys want the quickest way up the mountain. Yes. <laughs> and that's what we hope to deliver in Premier Coaching. If you're not a Premier Coaching member, simply text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372 or go to PremierCoaching.com. So again, this week we're working our way up from the least effective to the most effective lead generation idea Julie Harris, we're on point number 10. Point number 10, which is property-specific pay-per-click, like you might use for Zillow, Realtor.com, et cetera. Can you tell them a little bit more about that? You've got a listing. You're going to put it on one of the portals. You're going to pay to basically advertise that particular listing. Those leads that come off the listing are then your exclusive leads. That is, uh, frankly, you know, it's number 10. It's not number, you know, uh, it's not the least effective, but it's not that effective because ultimately you don't necessarily, you don't have to spend money and you're going to get buyer leads off that, by the way, when you have a listing in any market and be very clear, uh, this is the reason it's number 10, be very clear in your head listeners, when you have a listing, let alone three or four listings, let alone, you know, 10 or 15 listings, and we teach you how to do that in Premier Coaching, you will have, and this is, you know, I say this, I'm wondering if I'm ever offending anyone when I say it this way, but I say it this way. 
Because our first broker, Rory, said it uh-huh. this way. He goes, Tim and Joy, you want buyer leads? Take a listing. You have to beat the buyers off with a stick. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. Well, but I'll never forget true, that because, yeah, it is true. Yeah. So when you have one listing, you can generate, and we show you how to do this in Premier Coaching, you can generate so many buyer leads. Don't go, don't pursue buyer leads in your real estate business. The buyer leads always follow the listings. And when you look at the portals, for example, the reason that they're primarily selling list, or buyer leads is because the buyers are going to their portals looking at what? Listings. Mm-hmm. So here's the idea for you. Learn how to be a listing agent. And that is point number 10. And we're working towards the most effective. Point number nine, Julie. Point number nine is divorce attorneys. Now, why are they a valuable spoke? The divorce decree, as stated by the divorce attorney as a result of a divorce, states oftentimes that a home must be sold, how the proceeds are to be split, and by when it should occur. In other words, very clear intent. You will be selling the house. You will be selling it by this date. And here's how you're going to split it up. Now, we used to do uh, quite a few of these transactions. And it's not just the listing. Remember, when somebody gets divorced, there's also going to be two buyer sides to that too, oftentimes. So divorce attorneys. Now, this will only work when you are regularly communicating with them, when you're doing it in a professional way, you're sharing with them your pre-listing package, you're providing value, and again, you're communicating regularly. So our coaching clients that do get results from this, this is like one of their Monday calls every Monday. They're talking to divorce attorneys, they're networking, and they are showing their value by doing a great job. But, you know, full disclosure, this is not stress-free business. When you're dealing with people going through emotional trauma like a divorce, it is very stressful and you're going to have to learn how to show emotion without being emotional. That's why it's not number one. That's why it's not number one, <laughs> yeah. because you will have to build up some serious calluses to make it so that that uh, working with people going through divorces doesn't adversely affect your own mindset, let alone your relationships. So yeah, to Julie's point, that's the reason it's not point number one. Yes, but, but there is a house to sell, so that's yeah, it's higher on the list. Right. House to sell, learn how to generate you know, other leads from the listing. Um, and, uh, the divorce decree, those are the keywords. If the divorce decree hasn't been issued and you list the house for sale, and even if you get a contract on it, one side's going to use, uh, mm-hmm. essentially you're not going to get the transaction through and uh, until the divorce decree, which is, you know, the judge in essence saying what's going to happen to the property it up to that point, it's going to be something that could very well be a continue, a continued negotiation point unpleasant and unpleasant. And you could get caught in the middle. So anyone who's been in the business for a long time and uh, dealt with divorcing people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of our, I would say, best stories, and I'm air quoting with that, come from people that were getting divorces. They're the ones that you uh, try your hardest to forget as time passes uh, transactionally, but you guys get the idea. So there it is. (laughs) Point number eight, Julie, least effective to most effective lead generation Mm -hmm. ideas. Yes, working up our our list here to the more and more effective. Number eight, small and medium-sized builders. Now, How do you figure out who they are? Well, you can join your builders association to get the guide of who's building what and where. You can simply hit Google and say new construction Orlando and get a huge list with a map. You can also search for expired new construction in your MLS and visit builder sites using newhomesource.com to find the ones that are not in your MLS. And if you look back on our real estate career, because you know, we're not just podcasters and coaches, but we did actually sell real estate at a high level for a very long time. Some of our best expired scores were actually expired new construction, both with the upper end luxury end uh, end of things, but also some of the smaller, like the townhomes and things like that. So what you do is you search in your MLS using your entire geographic MLS with the only criteria being expired, withdrawn, or temporarily off the market. 
uh, built in the past two or three years, you're going to see, you're going to capture. I like that search because it not just shows expired new construction, but it shows those builders who were willing to list and get it in the MLS. So they're realtor friendly. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but point number eight, depending on your market, can be an absolute goldmine. If you're from the Midwest, you know, you're going to be dealing with people that are developing land and then building homes. If you're in some densely populated or densely, you know, like say, for example, L.A., you're going to be doing uh, maybe people that are converting buildings from, you know, commercial to residential kind of thing. But at the end of the day, this could be a very, very profitable spoke for you. Mm -hmm. If we listed, for example, we went from listing to Julie's Point, a guy named Matt Truco, we listed two or three luxury homes for him. Uh, that all had expired. And guess what? We called him and got the expired listings. Mm -hmm. And then was within two years, he ended up listing 73 new construction condos with us. So those are the types of opportunities. Now, why is that point number eight? Well, obviously that's a builder. Builder's going to have a home to sell. That's somebody that's actually already in the market to sell a property. I'm, I belabor this point because it's really, really critical that you are very clear that you need to spend your time with people who actually are wanting to do a transaction, not people you're hoping that might someday want to do a transaction. People who expect to be having a real estate conversation with you, right? The intent is there. You know, I'll never forget Lance Kenmore told me he was going after some new construction. And this is very simple. He had helped a builder with a parade of homes deal, right? And the parade of homes came and went. They worked it a little bit. And a couple of weeks later, he said to himself, what was on that parade of homes of new construction that has not yet sold? So he went and talked to those builders. He talked to one of them who had an average sale price of about three times what his normal was. It had never been in the MLS, never had home brochures, never had a good description, never had pictures or anything. He did that and sold it in one weekend. I said, why did you sell it? Whereas the builder couldn't sell it. He said, because the builder didn't have any marketing behind him. Nobody knew it existed unless they went to that um, parade of homes. And it was the most expensive house there. Small and medium-sized builders, to Julie's point, um, oftentimes are not very, they're just essentially people that used to be framers. They're not marketers. They're not marketers. They're not, I dare I say, they're business people, but they're not business people in the sense that they know how to do what you do, right? So small and medium-sized builders really need you versus say a larger scale builder who's building thousands of homes. They've already got their systems in place. Yes. Good luck getting business from them with the exception of the next point, which can be an unbelievably profitable source of business. Um, and really, frankly, one of the spokes that we almost always prescribe to coaching clients provided there is this opportunity in their market. Julie, point number seven. Yes, absolutely. One of my favorites because it is low in terms of cost for money and time. Number seven is new construction salespeople. Now, who are they? They're the salespeople who sit in the new construction models, or maybe sometimes there's a trailer, sometimes there's even an office, depending on how they're set up. But these are the salespeople who know the product. They write up the offers for buyers that are coming to them, new construction salespeople. Now, here's a question. Who do those people refer their resale business to? If I'm going to build a house and it's $700,000, it's probably not my first house. I probably got a four or $500,000 house I'm going to sell before I can actually close on my new construction. Well, guess what? Those new build reps don't generally take resale. What happens to those leads? And oftentimes the new build rep is working directly with the buyer and there is no buyer's agent because you're now some of you are rationalizing. Mm -hmm. 
Why would I want to go to a new build rep looking for listing leads? Because isn't that buyer going to have been essentially represented by a buyer agent and that buyer agent will get the listing? That is uh, essentially you're trying to rationalize not doing the real work. Mm -hmm. The real work is going and having these conversations because you will find this can be a very, very viable spoke of business. Again, depending on your marketplace, but open your mind to the possibilities. One contact. And yes, you're going to have to bring them by coffee sometimes and send them birthday cards. Show some enthusiasm for what they're selling. (laughs) Show some gratuitous appreciation from time to time. Bring them a buyer now and then. Because the new construction sales reps, they oftentimes, again, don't sell resale. They are prohibited or don't even have real estate licenses. Mm -hmm. So they, and if they have someone walk in and go and contract on a property and they, you know, the property the owner owns has to be sold, that is going to create a problem for the new build rep if the house doesn't sell, because then they're not going to get that. Obviously, the buyer won't be able to close in the new construction. Changing market. You're looking at some serious motivation. All parties concerned, serious motivation. So do keep these yeah. things in mind. Look, think about this. You get a call from a new build rep. The new build rep says, you know, the Smiths just went on contract on this house for a million dollars. They have a house in XYZ subdivision for 700000 they have to sell. Their new home actually is halfway done. They bought a spec and they want to have occupancy in four months. You're talking about an incredibly motivated seller. That is a wonderful, wonderful listing lead that you're probably not even going to have to compete on. So absolutely open your mind to that. There is a huge expansive section in Premier Coaching about this very topic. That's right. And so smart coaching clients have taken this and they've said, hmm, that's interesting. What if I had five or six of those new yep. reps in different price ranges in different parts of town who were all feeding me listing leads? Now that's smart business and that is a fantastic, inexpensive, highly effective spoke when worked correctly. Okay, so point number six, moving on up, and then we will continue. I think we'll do, there's a lot to number six. So number six, for rent by owners. Some of you call those furbos for rent by owners. These are small investors most of the time with single family or small multifamily homes, doubles, quads, things of that nature. If they don't rent right away, would they consider selling? This requires a simple script. Again, as we move up our food chain here, we're also adding skill. A simple script, you get their phone numbers. They're advertising their phone numbers because the house is for rent. It is a business conversation. Most of the time, it will go one of two ways. Nope, I'm keeping it forever, like when somebody prospects us for that. Nope, not for sale. Or they're going to say, well, I don't know. You know, it hasn't rented in a month or, or maybe even two months. What do you think it's worth? That's when you offer to do your free comparative market analysis. You sit down, they make a decision based on the numbers. There's not a lot of emotion. You're not talking about somebody breaking up with their family home usually. We're just having a business conversation. They're going to say, well, what kind of price could you get me for it? And then you're going to close on a a comparative market analysis. Well, uh, a variation of this is obviously the um, VRBO types. Yes. So VRBOs are going to be a goldmine too. It's fascinating. Fortunately, and I mean this for the sake of the market, um, is that a lot of VRBOs have long-term low-rate financing on the VRBOs they bought. Mm-hmm. But there are quite a few that did variable-rate financing. Yes. And so you're going to see, especially if they bought in the first six months of 2022, you're going to see a lot of people that bought VRBOs intending in to um, you know, cash flow them, but the mortgage is going to adjust to a much higher rate and the mm-hmm. cash flow doesn't work out anymore. That's and, they're, right. and they're going to have to put the properties for sale. So, But the other thing that happens is a lot of people, uh, a lot of non-licensees, let's call them, 
you know, uh, consumers basically got into the short-term rental market and they would buy one, then two, then three. Leveraged. And and they really don't. and, And let's say at the time it made sense. They did their homework. They did all the right moves. But what they didn't realize was there were a whole bunch of other VRBOs that were also going to be coming on the market. And now their average nightly rent has dropped through the floor. And now because the economy, because the economy, people aren't traveling as much. They are You guys get the idea. So now the cash flow doesn't flow anymore. So you're going to be calling these folks asking if they want to sell the property. If they've owned the property for, let's say, a year, two years, they're going to have some pretty serious equity in the property. And you're going to be calling them with a golden you know, ticket saying, guess what? You've got this property. I can find a buyer for it. This is how much money you'll walk away with. And a lot of times they're going to be more than willing to uh, let go of the property. You're just going to be the one that's conveying to them the great news. Those are fun calls to make. We give you the scripts in Premier Coaching. If you've not become a Premier Coaching member yet, do uh, text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to PremierCoaching.com. Again, text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to PremierCoaching.com. But you can see why that can be a very effective source of business. You're talking directly to a person who has a property who probably wants to sell it, provided they knew what the market was doing. And they're easy to find. You can you can even get in and look at their schedule. How frequently was it rented? What kind of rate are they getting? You can tell from all the different online VRBO platforms how much competition they have. You can do a lot of different types of research. And guess what? There's this magic button called uh, contact the owner directly. Yeah. It has their phone number. Oftentimes it has their um, email address. You can also tell if it's managed by a property management company versus a person. You can click on the map. You can do all kinds of things. And, and the other reason that VRBOs are starting, we're starting to see more of those as listings is there are cities that are putting in place or HOAs or buildings or towns that are saying no short-term rental for you. It's against our rules. We had a a vote at city council last night and we're gonna push this thing through unless it's 90 days or less or it's six months or less, you are in violation or you can do it, but you're gonna owe us a big tax. You have to file all of your tenants with us. And for some VRB owners, especially the less experienced ones, that's not their thing. That's not sustainable for them. They don't want to deal with it. They just want to break up with the house and be done with it. I'll I'll add to this. This is probably, this should have been its own point, but I think it makes sense to have it be a part of point number six is also you're going to uh, consider uh, property management companies. A lot of property management companies, believe it or not, only manage the property. They don't really have anything to do with the buying and selling of the property. Mm -hmm. You're going to find a lot of small to medium size, uh, really, you know, a lot of retired people run property management companies. Ask them what they're doing with the leads they get or the owners they have that decide they want to sell the property. Guess what? They're referring those leads off to other agents. Why don't you become that agent? Why don't you then send them any leads for property management that you stumble across? Here's some advanced coaching for you. When you go on listing appointments, if the person bought in the first six months of 2022, chances are they're going to be even with the house, maybe even negative with the selling fees, but they have to sell the property. Show them that in most cases they can rent the property and actually make a pretty good cash flow on it in some cases. And then you can then have that uh, property a year from now as a listing when they've, when essentially it's appreciated or really inflated to the point where they can get it out of the house if not you know making money, at least breaking even. In the meantime, you can refer that to a property manager. You see how you can build relationships both ways? If you want to really ingratiate yourself with somebody, uh, bring them something of value without having uh, and ask for nothing. That's really how you make long-term business relationships with anyone. A hundred percent of the time we've hired people before that have sent us emails and have created something that they, uh, you know, thought would might be useful for us. 
suggestions on how to enhance this or enhance that have done the work, invest, invested their time and sent it to us. And it was, you know, many times this has actually happened, probably about 20 times, especially when it comes to uh, YouTube marketing and whatnot. And I implemented it and I said, well, okay, guess what you, and, and I turned them over to our team and the team wasn't doing it, didn't know about it, whatever. It was something that was kind of cutting edge. You guys get the idea. Well, that person now has a customer for life. You know, they did, they did it on spec trying to get our business. But at the end of the day, that's a really, really great way to get yourself business. And if you're thinking even a larger scale, property managers are going to be good for this. Some of the other sources of business we told you as well, apply the idea. Like I'll give you another source on here. And this is a very unique source and it doesn't deserve its own standalone point. But if you're in LA or frankly, New York, you want to be thinking about business managers and sometimes agents. By agents, I mean talent agents. But between the two, business managers are going to be more profitable as far as the source of business to go after. A business manager is just as it sounds. They will for not just celebrity types, but also for just business owners. A lot of business managers, actually, it's kind of funny. There's business managers that specialize in, say, for example, just dentists. Or there's business managers that specialize in just football players. And you network with those business managers and they will refer to you their uh, customers who need to buy or sell real estate. So if you're in L.A., we've had many, many coaching clients over the years who get their number one spoke has been business managers because when they list a house for Sylvester Stallone, we had somebody that was working with him. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Sly Stallone happens to be in real life, a huge housing enthusiast and he buys and sells real estate all the flipping time. He doesn't flip. I mean, but the reality of it is, is that's a great long-term relationship that once you have that, because you networked with his business manager, now you have him as a long-term customer. A lot of people like that. So if you're in a market where there are a lot of people that uh, use business managers as a normal course of business. And again, LA comes to mind, but certainly in New York as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely leverage those relationships. Uh, talent agents, for some reason, never the same type of relationship. Oftentimes, talent agents will, um, frankly, never send you business, but ask you for lots of things in the form of taking them out to eat or asking you to buy tickets to this football business game. Business managers are better. Business managers are more professional. Yes, yeah, definitely. And you know what? That's a nice way to raise your average sale price in those markets too. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll tell a real story. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Salem, mm-hmm. okay, out in LA. He works for, uh, I call it Rodeo Realty, but Rodeo Realty. He's one of their top agents. He gets a lot of his business from business managers. Mm-hmm. I won't say who because, you know, he's a coaching client. But the reality of it is, again, that's been an incredibly profitable source of business for him. And they'll just message him and say, there's this new property that, you know, so-and-so wants to sell. Well, here's the interesting part. Oftentimes, he doesn't even know who the client is. Mm-hmm. They'll say, here's the property. What do you think it's worth? And he'll go out and review, you know look at it and preview it. And later he finds out it's owned by, you know, Priscilla Presley or somebody like so that. So essentially, the business manager is his client. It's like a client once that's removed. Right. Well, it's like a builder, really, because you go to a builder or a new construction rep and you get multiple transactions. A business manager can be the same thing. Yeah. And I I love one relationship, multiple opportunities. That's a great way to run your business. Okay. Point number five. And there's so much to this. We have had dedicated podcasts. I think in the next week or two, I think I'll do maybe a two or three part series with you about 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. That's number five as we go up the food chain with effective sources of business. So you guys should write this down, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. So we oftentimes get asked, if you guys were to get back into selling real estate, 
what would be the things you would do? And I always think it's a funny question as you guys almost think we're going to give you a different answer than we give you on the podcast or in right. coaching. But one of the tools we'd absolutely implement right away would be 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE for the reasons Julie's about to tell you. Okay, so this is best used with listings to generate an abundance of both buyer and seller leads. We talked earlier, finding buyer leads is not a problem when you're a listing agent. And 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM is a way to put rocket boosters on your real estate sign your home brochures, anything you normally do. And again, this is a podcast. We can't totally drill down on this. Refer to our podcast about how to use 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE. Or just go to the website. Yes. Even if you don't have listings or simply go to the website, there are there's at least 20 different ways to utilize that. The lead way, of course, is to use on your listings. But there's also, you know, you, you could say, and I don't know how deep you want to go into this on this podcast, but you could say for information on all new construction in Columbus, Ohio, put its own extension, you know, you have your own dedicated 800 number, extension 500, and then you become the source of that information, your lead capturing. This is always, again, about intent. Somebody uses your 800 home hotline number because they're interested in either your listing you have to sell or something that you have said, call me and I'm going to give you this information. You capture their phone number, even if it's unlisted, and that's, this is a great source of business. Call it McDonald is a good example. She's got a lot of listings. She's in Atlanta. And what she does is she has a sign writer on top of all of her signs that says for free 24-hour record info on this house. And it's her 800 number. It's 1-800-555-1212, whatever it is. And hit extension 1234. Now, some of you who have been in the business for a long time will know that that is IVR technology, interactive voice response technology. And it's been around forever. You're correct. But the reason it works so much uh, more effectively than QWR codes or even, frankly, online leads is because it is going after the people that are the most interested in transacting. They're the ones that are driving the neighborhoods and looking at for sale signs. And here's the thing that we really love about 800homehotline.com. It is an amazing way to call all the potential listing leads out of the market. Because when you put a sign in a yard with your 800homehotline uh, you know, sign writer on the top of the sign, all the neighbors are going to call, especially those thinking about selling, wanting to know what the price is. Now, you didn't have the advantage of actually doing this type of thing when homes were selling themselves in 22 seconds. But now you do. That's the reason a transitioning market like this can be an absolute pot of gold because you can actually start generating more leads off your listings provided you have, guess what, listings. So, Julie, let's get to one more point, point number four. Point number four is open houses, another favorite. Point number four, open houses. Now, not just any random open houses, following our proven open house system that you learn in Premier Coaching and choosing the right homes to hold open. This is an amazing and predictable, duplicatable source of business. Refer to many of our podcasts about how to monetize your open houses. Premier Coaching clients know how to turn this into a super predictable source of both buyer and especially seller leads. This is inexpensive and extremely effective when done correctly. Again, we have intent. Somebody goes to an open house because they're interested in buying or selling real estate. We have inexpensive, which is great. It does require some skill to do it correctly, but that's why you have premier coaching. None of this is rocket science, but you do have to have a systematized approach to turn this into a viable spoke. We have example after example after example of Vermeer coaching clients who are not just dabbling in this, but they can tell you every time they use our open house system, they not only get a ton of people attending and signing in, but they get at least one immediate listing out of it. 
if not a handful of buyers, some of which also come with listings. So open houses done correctly are very high on the list because we have intent. It's about real estate. We have ease of doing it. Anyone listening right now can implement this and we don't have a lot of expense. So here's an interesting uh, little thought exercise for all of you. Who are the least motivated leads? Internet leads are people driving through neighborhoods looking for open houses. It should be obvious, right? Internet leads are the least motivated of all the leads you can actually generate. Does that make sense now that you're thinking, well, that makes sense because I know I've been buying internet uh, buyer leads from XYZ company and these guys are never motivated. Don't even remember saying that they're interested in buying a house. It's because they're just looky-loos. Their name's on a piece of paper. They really have no value. But what happens is that I want you to imagine, in essence, a funnel. So when people are at the top of the funnel, the, it's, an inver- it's an inverted triangle, right? So the long part of the triangle is at the top. The wide part of the triangle is at the top. That's where people are just saying, eh, I wonder how much this house costs. Eh, I wonder what the pictures on that thing look like. Those are the least motivated. Those are really not even... should even an impression, maybe. Exactly. So what happens is, is people get more serious. Then what happens is they go, they filter themselves down. And at the very, you know, most, uh, I think, pointy part of the triangle, if you will, hopefully this visualization is making sense for all of you. That's when they start driving the very neighborhoods they've decided in which they want to live. And they're looking for the newest listings. Or they're looking for the listing that they read about that you just listed that's open for the first time on Sunday. You guys get it? That's the reason the most motivated, most qualified leads, not just buyer leads, but also seller leads, are driving the neighborhoods looking for open houses. This has always been true and always will be true. Why don't people talk more about open houses? I'll tell you why. It's because tech companies can't figure out a way to make money off you doing open houses. That's why. That's the reason a lot of the people that are essentially real estate coaches or trainers don't spend a lot of time talking about the actual obvious way to generate lots of leads for free open houses because they can't make money off selling you a tech platform that's going to require you to build a a landing page and a click funnel and all the rest of it. Open houses are incredibly powerful. Now, here, I want you to expand your thinking about this. If you're holding an open house, so let's assume there's, I'll just break it down to three categories. First time home buyers, move up homes, and like luxury homes. Now, nowadays, there's actually a lot more moves that people will traditionally go for. But let's just say there's three categories. You buy your first house, house gets too small. You buy your second one, house gets too small. Or maybe you just want to have a more luxurious or whatever house, then you buy your third one. If you're holding a house open in that middle price segment, you're going to get those first time buyers, or I'm sorry, you're going to get those first time sellers that are going to want to buy that house. And that means you're going to get their listing lead. That means if you're also dealing with the people that are have the, in the third category of homes, the more expensive homes, those guys might be downsizing to that midland price range, which means you're going to get a listing lead. You get it? If you're doing open houses in first-time homebuyer areas, it's effective for sure. And a lot of the home, first-time homebuyers don't have relationships with real estate agents. They're not that educated, frankly, on you know the process, and they're going to be more receptive to you taking control and leading them through the process. For sure, that's true with op- mm-hmm. uh, first-time buyers, but they're not going to have anything to sell. So if you want to make the most of your open houses, work in that midland price range. You're going to have to know what that is. And I, again, I want to talk about this, but I'm going to, we've been on for a half hour, so yeah. I'm not going to. But there's so many different little nuanced approaches to doing open houses that can absolutely make it a cash cow. So here's a little secret for you. You don't do open houses to generate buyer leads. You obviously want to sell the house. You do open houses to generate seller leads. 
And if you don't know what I mean or how to do it, that's the reason you join Premier Coaching. Mm -hmm. Text the word Premier to 47372 or go to premiercoaching.com. Guess what, guys? Tomorrow, bum, bum, bum. That's right. The the, season finale. The season finale. (laughs) The most effective sources of real estate lead generation. Top three. Top three. We're going to do points three, two, one tomorrow. So make sure you listen in. Guys, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. If you're listening to us on YouTube, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, If you're on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star review. We love doing this podcast for you every day. We don't necessarily love the work that goes into doing it. We love the results we see you're getting from listening to the show. If you really want to supercharge your business, do join Premier Coaching. Text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to premiercoaching.com. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. Hello. Thank you for having watched this video. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's right. And don't forget to hit that like button. Leave your comments and questions below and we will get right back with you. Thank you for watching this video. Remember to watch the next one. You're going to love that one. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.